Thank you for listening to the Content Magazine Podcast, Conversations with Silicon Valley's Creatives. I'm Daniel Garcia, your host and the cultivator of Content Magazine, published by SV Creates. Okay. Good clap. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It is your boy, Trizzy E. Baby Troy Ewers. This is the Content Magazine Podcast. I am your host, and my guest, a person that I've known since my freshman year of high school. Mm Mm-hmm. We both went to Oak Grove High School, Eagles, stand-up, OG, you know. Real South. Real South. This guy has been on the literal come-up since his inception. He is a person who preaches entrepreneurship, preaches ownership, but also preaches a sense of collaboration like no other. He is the head of Emelyn. He is the man who is a producer of Any Given Bars. One of the big front runners of the culture night market, BQ, Brandon Quintanilla. How you doing, my brother? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for asking. And that was an awesome introduction. I appreciate that. Man, man it's well-deserved. It's well-deserved. I've seen you from high school as a football guy mm-hmm. who was the nice dresser. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was yeah, the fancy that. dresser. He likes to dress up. But... Can handle his business on the field anytime he was called on. Yep. Then after high school, Mm -hmm. you were not just a social guy we would, you know, see at a party here and there. But no, you were the dude who was always grinding, always had Mm -hmm. a job in some Mm -hmm. fashion. Yep. And then built Emelyn out of a garage. For those who don't know, because I can go on for days. Yep. Introduce BQ. Um, so you want me to introduce myself? Yeah, just okay. introduce yourself. Okay. Tell them, tell them who you are and how you got here. Okay. Um, so my name is Brandon Quintanilla. Everyone calls me BQ for short. Um, just like you said, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I'm a resident in San Jose, California, South Side to be exact. That's my section. Um, and you know, I'm a I'm a Nicaraguense American. You know, born and raised in San Jose. And uh, you know, just trying to be a leader in this community and trying to lead by example, by demonstration, by producing events, activating public spaces for small business owners, mm-hmm. artists, musicians, and just bringing people together through the culture night market. Um, I'm very passionate about media production. Um, I like to be behind the scenes. I like to play around in front of the camera. I like to just be involved with media. I just really enjoy that industry um, as it's been a long journey since we started. As you mentioned, we were in the garage, so it's been a long time coming, but you know, there's still a lots, a lots of uh, things to grow into, you know. So, and going back to those days in the yeah. garage, mm-hmm. what motivated you to start Emelyn? And I mean, you had a plan from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Where did that inspiration even start? And kind of what is the inkling of it all? Um, it started from being around other people that were entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. like working in cell phone sales. Like I worked with a lot of great salespeople. Um, the thing that was really unique about it is like it started at Eastridge Mall. You know, you got all the different walks of life, all the diverse people that yes, come into yes. this space. It, it's, it might be a mall job for someone outside in, but like when you go into the sales game, like you're, you're basically committing to a whole like structure like a whole lifestyle because like you know in order to be a good salesman you got to be sharp you got to be presentable you and there's gotta, some real hustlers in yeah. that environment mm-hmm. too and it's not just like a 
you know, selling, uh, doing a transactional thing at Safeway or being at Target or something. It's like yeah. you're 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 going out of your way to close people that don't know who you are. It's like cold sales. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So um, it was also a rude awakening, though, like because I wasn't really that uh, how you say it, um, like I wasn't able to communicate the way I communicate now in the beginning. Um, but yeah, just being surrounded by those people at an early age, I was 18 years old when I got my first job. So when I, um, wasn't, it was my first legal job. It was my <laughs> first legal job. Um, and, uh, the owner of the company, you know, it was a third party franchise. So he owned 32 stores in the whole Bay area. Wow. Um, and he would be and he's from San Jose. So he would be at our locations often. And I didn't really get to know him right away in the beginning. It was kind of just like from afar, I know who he was, but then eventually, um, I, I, after a year being into the game, I was probably one of the better salespeople. And, you know, in any company, when you do well, like you build good rapport with yes. people in management. So, I got to kind of ask questions and see how they managed their business. And then, like, then eventually we would go out to eat and then have random conversation. I talked to them about football. I'm like, I'm trying to go to the league. I'm trying to go play for Miami Hurricanes. Yeah. Like, you know, that was, like, the whole like the whole thing inside me before entrepreneurship. You know, I still had that in me. Um, but when they kind of had that same mentality, but it was in business, it kind of just got my curiosity going. It became a shift. Yeah, you know, just, like, interest, like seeing how people could still be, like, you know, I don't know how to explain it. Um, just like the ability to go all in on something and, and it's performance based, right? Like you do well in business, you're going to reap the benefits of the success. And you don't really get that from like a, a, you know, a salary job or a job, you know, working a nine to five because, you know, you get capped, you know, how however you work 40 hours, you didn't get that amount of money. Stop there. But yeah. when you're creating a business from the ground up, you have to you don't you don't see those benefits until the long run. And, you know, kind of seeing how he got to 32 stores was like, how did you do this? You know, and and uh, so that's where it started, just like being around those people and um, asking questions. And then that's what kind of sparked my interest to entrepreneurship. Um, I don't know if I answered your question, but that's just like nah, the very intro introduction to it. No, nah, it's a great introduction mm -hmm. to it because where you take Emlyn at that point mm -hmm. when you started it was it was almost this different way of selling clothes. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like this is a brick and mortar store. It yeah. was you're pulling up with a mm -hmm. bunch of brands to mm -hmm. other places, pulling up, doing your own pop ups. Yeah and selling the gear yeah that's a different type of hustle i don't yeah. think a lot of where did you get the sense of i have to grind again yeah. the sense of the name even yeah early mornings late nights yeah where did that mentality come from because it yeah. seems so ingrained in you even yeah. at this point yeah i think um you know, playing sports like was definitely the main reason just because like in sports, you, it's discipline, accountability, yes. hard work, dedication. So those were already kind of instilled in me since young, you mm -hmm. know, I played sports since like middle school, before middle school. Um, so Especially the kind of football environment that we yeah. come from, that Oak Grove, yes. Pop Warner environment yes. where you're working all summer. You're yes. barely seeing your friends because your friends yeah. are on that team. I, I, I see what you're saying. So it's instilled already, you know, and um, as as I got older, I... Um, you know, like like I said, I started just becoming more self-aware, asking questions. One of my mentors at the Sprint Game, his name is Frankie Santiago. He was actually like a, a freelance person working with us. I was us. just going to ask you about so, him. Yeah, so he, he was freelance, and he just happened to do B2B for the owner. So 
he wasn't working for him technically. Like mm-hmm. they were a, a partner. It was okay. a partnership. But he was showing me like, yeah, I'm getting eight thousand dollar commission checks, and I'm just like, Whoa. how the hell are you doing this? You know, he's like, I'm closing like forty thousand dollar deals like with big companies and stuff like that. So I was just like, that caught my interest already. Yeah. But at the same time. He was also managing his own business, which he was selling uh, bed sheets, like wholesale yeah. and selling them. Um, but he was so aggressive with it. Like, he was like, I don't even know how to explain. He was on some like Grant Cardone, Gary Vee yeah. kind of shit. Like, but he was telling me, like, he was simplifying everything. Like, whatever most people would complicate in entrepreneurship, like, oh, getting permits, getting guidelines, doing this. He was like, champ like it's not that hard like the same way you go to in and out to get a burger you can go to city hall and get your uh llc get your sole proprietor and i was like i just never heard anyone say that so it's just like and then one time i asked him i was like hey um i want to be an entrepreneur like how do i do it and then he's like he laughed at me at first he was just like you really want to know like for real (laughs) he's like all right um the first step is grow some balls and keep in mind, like, I don't really have a good relationship with him like this. I just know who he is. So when he told me that, I was kind of, like, disrespected. Like, what the fuck you just say to me? Like, yeah, you're like, what we trying to say, you know? But in that, but. You're like, that's not the advice I was looking for. And, and he just turned around <laughs> and just kept it lit. Like, he didn't even keep talking to me. That's all he said. He turned around. I was like, what the hell? But then, like, uh, following that, like, I followed up again. And then he was like, he said the same thing. But yeah. he's like, all right, this is what you do. You got to get your, uh, your business license. You got to get your seller's permit. And then you got to get your domain. Those are the first three things he told me to do. And then he's like, once you get those things, come back and talk to me. So I did that. I already knew um, I had a bunch of, like, names written out, and Emily happened to be one of them. So I went forward with just going that route. And uh, I got the domain, uh, emlynexclusive.com. I got the license, Emlyn, uh, with the city of San Jose. And then I got uh, the seller's permit because I was doing clothes. And then when I got back, I was like, all right, I got it. And then he's like, all right, you you already did half the job. The other half of the job, you got to go work. And then at that point, you know, I was just like, all right, like, damn, I'm really doing this. So um, fast forward. And it's interesting because Emlyn's media company now, right? But in the beginning, I was selling clothes. Like, I was... uh, really into fashion and a really into streetwear fashion. So I just kept thinking about a business right now won't survive without capital. So like in order for me to get to like the bigger brand and the yeah. bigger vision, I needed money. So the only way I was gonna be able to do that was like, all right, let me get some product, let me go sell it. Um, and then I met my other friend, um, I forgot his name right now, it's slipping my, my mind. But um, he told me about consignment, which is just basically, getting something fronted and then paying it afterwards. So, and people do that with shoes all the time. You know, they get like the high-end sneakers, you you bring it at a store and if the store sells it, they get a cut. They do it with drugs too. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) they do. Um, But yeah, so basically he he explained to me what consignment was and I didn't have money to start the business. So I was like, all right, let me pitch consignment to all these brands. And long story short, I got like five different brands to agree to do consignment and they all gave me like 20 to 50 pieces of their brand. So now I have like all this merchandise. So I had something to start. So now it was about hustling. And then I worked at Sprint. So obviously I had limited hours and um, Eastridge Mall had this like vape cafe spot down the street. And it happened to be the owner's like Uh, little side hustle. I remember this place. So he just had like, he just had it. And, um, so people used to go kick it there. And it was smart because this guy literally owns a business down the street that people that work for him make money for him. They go chill there afterwards, no. go buy beer and go buy vapes and go do all that no, stuff. No, before I used to – it's wild you say that. Before yeah. I used to hang out in in the garage when you started it, yeah. me and Henry used to – 
we used to go to that vape yep. cafe just yep. to kick it because yeah. it was pretty lit. You know, there might be some girls mm-hmm. there. You can chill, mm-hmm. like play Jenga. Like, yeah, it was always just like a kick. And it was spot. in the cuts too. I mean, it was like nobody would know it was there unless. And you, you could stay know. there for hours. Yeah, it was there like <laughs> like you could be there damn near till two or three a.m. If, yeah. if they let you, like yeah. it was it was a it was really low them, key spot. One of them low key spots. Um, and so I knew the owner because uh, it was like a co-owner and it wasn't the main owner of Sprint. It was this other guy named Ray, Panamanian Asian dude, crazy. But he's super smart. He's Asian, but he's fluent in Spanish. And he speaks better Spanish than me and like some other people I know. What? It's crazy. There's a lot of folks like that that are like Asian but live in other countries and they have like way you know thicker accents. No, salute to them. Yeah. I barely yeah. know my language now <laughs> yeah. that I grew up on. Yeah, so this shout out Ray. Though. He's so cool. Su- he's a uh, really dope entrepreneur too and met him a long time ago. But yeah, so he um, let me uh, do the store in the vape cafe. Oh, okay. So I basically took a counter and he would ask me to give him a percent. So I was able to negotiate with him a percent. So I didn't even pay anything. So keep my, I'm starting a business without paying any money. I got product for free. I got the storefront for free. And now I'm just like, doing the the sweat equity i'm just putting the brand down telling people come out it's like and, your mentor said and you, then, get, you did all the all yep. the groundwork now yep. do the work work do the yep. blood work yeah and then um and then there was a oh my birthday was coming up and then this was the perfect time to leverage like my i don't want to say clout but just like my <laughs> influence with the community like people know who i am a lot of people would fuck with me so i'm just like all right i'm gonna throw a emlyn launch party on my birthday so i'm just gonna Sweet. leverage my birthday and then I was charging at the door, you and were. then I was, uh, uh, I think I made like, it wasn't a lot, it was like 900 bucks, but it was like for, you know, at the time, I was like, 900 bucks, so I'll take that any day. That was, you know what I mean? That like, was sweet right there. Yeah, yeah, so that was like my first, like, my taste of like doing it on my own and entrepreneurship, but that's literally like the very beginning, though, like the very beginning. And so to transition into when. M- media became because mm. that's when i was brought in and my friends yeah. were brought in yes and to see what you were starting because that was the first podcast mm. and where it kind of was beginning what made you kind of shift into a media realm yeah. considering that by the point i got in you were two three years deep mm-hmm. on emelyn yeah selling clothes and you were doing well like yeah. you were establishing a staff if yeah. you could honestly say yeah. like yeah. and establishing an office mm-hmm. Again, scaling up everybody. Yeah. What made you say, now I got to bring on a media team? Yeah. Um, big shout out to my mentor, Anthony Oliveira, uh, founder of Outsource Plug out here in San Jose. Salute to he, you. He, um, I, and it's crazy because his come up story is insane too because he used to live right here on Santa Clara Street, that building right across City Hall. Not Miro, that's the super nice one. I'm talking about the one yeah. that's like, you know, I'm talking about like it's, it's 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 gutter, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so he was living there as a single father, and he had his and he had his son, and he was running his business at the time. Wholly completely different business, but mm. I always came to him for advice. And plus, he's Nicaraguense, so just off the strength off of the culture, we're just like we already connected. You know, you know? each one, teach one. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I was like um, always going to him for advice, and he would bring me up to his apartment and like uh, give me these books. Or, like sometimes I would just like shadow him and what he was doing, you know. Um, but one time he, he's the one that put me on Gary V in the very beginning, mm-hmm. like in 2015. And I know a lot of people get tired of Gary V at this point in time. Cause he's just like the only one doing it this long every day. Like it gets kind of annoying after a while. Right. And, but, and real quick, <laughs> yeah. he, he's the only one 
out of all this yeah. who doesn't have like a scam trial at oh, the end yeah. of it. Like, the only so, one that was really And that's why they like, get yeah. mad. They're like, yeah. we were we was hoping you was a scammer yeah. early and you're yeah. just still doing great yep. things. Yep. So Yeah, yeah. exact pioneering essentially. And uh, so he was the first one to put me on. When I first heard his voice, I was all like, damn, I can't even listen to his whole talk. It was like listening to RFK talk right now. You know what I mean? I'm just like, can't listen. But he uh, he actually started growing on me. Basically, the thing he told me, like, he gave me his book. He's like, here, read this book. This book's good. I forgot the name of the book. I think it was Jab, Jab, Right Hook. But mm. he gave me the book, and he was like, the key for the next five years is going to be content. Like, you need to put content out. And this is like... I'm talking about no one was doing content. No, we yeah. were doing it like no. with the intention we were doing it. No one was doing it like I that. I was honestly only doing it because we were making. This is when I worked in music. Yep. We were in a studio every yep. day, so I was mm-hmm. like, I should do a podcast. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you, like you just said, you saw media, and yep. so you not only said I'm going to do a podcast, where you were really early is no videotape it. Yeah. So that's where yep. you had your photographer holding yep. the camera. Yeah. You had a two camera set yeah, up yeah me on my early days yeah. of engineering i was yeah. not good yeah but we were on the early essential and you had a set yeah that was another thing nowadays mm. i get when it comes to podcasting yeah. everyone has a set yeah yep. you were like no we have this painted wall yeah. yep. that took yeah. hours yeah yeah Shout days yep. yeah, days yeah. essentially yeah a full-on emelin signed yeah. two cameras it's one thing to do content yeah why such the high quality so early? Um, well, it's crazy because, I mean, it's it's subjective, right? Someone might say, like, it's it's high quality. Another person might be like, oh, this is, like, ground level. Because we were doing it with, like... I'm saying high quality for the fact that it was ground level. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, I see what you're saying. Um, I think it was, like, I wanted to make sure when people came in, they really felt like, oh, shit, there's something going on. Yes. It was that element. And also, when my guests come, I want them to feel like, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. valued. Like, this is for real, you know? So it was a lot of psychological kind of, like, approach to it just because I wanted to make sure that not only did it impact people that consumed it, but it, input, it impacted people that were surrounded by it, you know mm. what I mean? And that's okay. why I felt like we were able to build such a good, like, culture because people were excited to do things, you know what I mean? And um, and I think that's the whole purpose of, of doing this to begin with, right? It's like, I want to make sure I have fun doing this. Um, and it goes back to what you asked earlier, like, you know, why am I even doing this? Like, I, I, I love this shit. You know what I mean? Like, I think um, to answer your question about the quality stuff, it was really that. Like, I just wanted to make sure it felt good. And when people came in, they were ready to to, to unfold, un, un, unpack all what they were going to talk about, you know? Nah, that's dope. Yeah. I eventually left and... You not only kept going, you kept going through one of the hardest times in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were Emmeline through a pandemic. Yeah. I went through a whole job shift through yeah. a pandemic. Yeah. So the fact that you not only barreled through the, again, one of the hardest times in the world, you came out with bigger things. Yeah. What was your mentality through that you know as an entrepreneur because it was hard for everyone but especially people who were making their own businesses i mean we see it all the time there were there are restaurants who did not last yeah how how was that for you because Mm. we'll eventually get to what the other side of that tunnel became but Mm. explain just that dark side of it man it's crazy because there's like a whole build-up to it right like before we even got to like 
to to start attacking it. Like I was working. Um, so my shout out to my other mentor, Timmy Noeja. He's like a really good friend of mine. He's always been training us in football and also just putting me on business stuff and business tips and insights. And I would go to him for just a bunch of advice. And um, he was like putting me on game early. Like this is like before the pandemic. It's like 2019. Like he was telling me like this is like end of my sales career at like the phone thing. And he's like, like, bro, you need to like start selling tech like you need to you need to apply this to the big dollars he's like you're wasting your time with this shit like he was just so adamant but i was so stubborn and i just did not like agree with him because i think what his, his whole push was like to do the tech which i wasn't against but it was the the type of sales which is honestly now looking at it like today it is probably the most best skill to attain, mm. which is like cold outreach, right? Like cold calling, calling people with a phone you don't know, emailing them, doing sequences, and doing that to like high level executives, to CEOs, to people like that own billion dollar companies all over Silicon Valley, across the nation. Like these are the type of companies that he was trying to get me to like. And and I think trying to see saw, And I think one thing he saw in you because you've been this that guy. Yeah. The. I have no problem giving a yeah. business card to. Mm. When you were at the pop-up shops, yeah. you walked mm. up to everybody like, yeah. hey, you've been to this table yet? Because yep, you've yep. been to every other table. Yep. And I think what he saw in you was, yeah. if you can do that yeah. to the average nine to five mm -hmm. person, the average street hustler, yeah. the average anything, mm -hmm. shoot, you were, I've seen you in the hoods of Oakland yeah. convincing <laughs> people to do his show. Like that really like, People say DJ Khaled does that with rappers. Yeah. Like, he'll go to their home and, like, get yeah. them to do a verse. Yeah. You did that yeah. on every level. And I yeah. think that's what he saw yeah. for you to do with tech people. Like, pull up on these guys. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. No, there's definitely a lot of truth. And it's so funny, Troy, because, like, you're the only one that could really tell this story, bro, for real. Because you've seen it. And oh, that's why I had to have you on. No, for sure. You are a person who has a, not only an amazing story, mm -hmm. it's a story that I think if any kid who's 16 saying, yeah. man, I got a dollar and a little bit of a dream, Yep, they can yep. make it into actually something because I mm -hmm. saw it. So mm -hmm. that's where. So like Timmy was trying to put me on to the whole call outreach and there was a time period where he was r running his um, marketing company that he was starting at that time. And uh, he got me involved. He's like, hey, look, just work with me. I'll have you do this. So he was basically training me how to do cold outreach but like at his apartment like he would took me to the west side we go to his apartment and he was making me do it i was like bro i ain't good but i came in with an open mind though because yeah. it was just me and some other person and and you know i eventually was like um, i was done with it for a certain time period i did it for a couple months and i was just like i couldn't do it and then i just stopped you know entertaining it and then and this is just funny how the world works right a full circle moment um, then I kept doing the Emlyn stuff, you know, doing the uh, working at the cell, cell phone game and doing the Emlyn stuff. And then I, you know, I would network. I would go to all these events and stuff. And I remember Mr. Jones, shout out to Mr. Jones, Mr. Old, Jones. the principal at Oak Grove High School. He um, was always looking out, always trying to like put me on stuff. And he told me about this networking event that was happening on the West Side. And it was the same day I was going to go meet up with uh, Ziggy and go uh, connect with him for the first time, like just to go meet him. So I vlogged it actually mm. that same day. Um, I went to the networking event and I was only able to stay there for like an hour. But at that networking event, I didn't realize who was on that panel. That panel was like Ruben Harris and it was like all these other CEOs that were wow. uh, attending. But it was like 10 people in the audience and it was like, like, I was like the only like really person dressed all swaggy and everyone was like professional. But like, 
I, I love to go to those because I just love to connect with people. Yeah. And Mr. Jones, like, I stayed in. I heard Ruben talk, and I really got captivated by what Ruben was saying because he was talking about podcasting. He was talking about media. But his whole thing was about tech, though. But I was like, it just caught my attention. And I told Mr. Jones, like, hey, I got to go because I'm going to go to the networking thing. But can you give this business card to him and just let him know, like, I love to connect. So I didn't even know what was going to happen. But long story short, I'm at Ziggy's, and then I get a text back from Mr. Jones. And he's just this whole paragraph. He's like, hey, man, like, he said he's super receptive to connect with you. He said he even said to come to the studio, to his studio. And this is in San Francisco. Me not knowing even what Ruben Harris did at the time, I'm just like, I'm all for it. But then later, now, if you guys search up Ruben Harris, he's the CEO, founder of Career Karma. It's like mm-hmm. one of the biggest, um, you know, startups that bridges the gaps between, like, uh, underrepresented communities to get jobs like engineers yep. and like um, tech companies yep. and he's hot and he's helped like millions of people get jobs into tech and it's crazy I think like their their seed funding got like 44 million dollars some crazy number um, and that and I'm probably not even up to date I'm pretty sure there's more stuff that's happened yeah. since then but um, shout out to Ruben and uh, and Absolutely. that's where we got connected I went to Ruben's studio and he just put me on the whole Silicon Valley thing mm-hmm. like Silicon Valley um, jobs, the market, the 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 evolution of what's going to happen in the future. Like people are going to lose jobs in like t- truck driving. They're going to lose retail jobs. And he was just putting me on like Silicon Valley and like why I should be paying attention. And I was just like mind blown. And then keep in mind, I was coming like I'm editing videos, right? So he's like, you know, you could code. And I'm just like, code? Like I'm not going to do coding, bro. Like I'm sorry. Like I know you're putting people on about coding, but <laughs> it doesn't fit for me. Like that's just not me. Um, but he's like, you're video editing, though. Essentially the same way you learn how to video edit, you can also learn how to code. So that's what made me realize like, okay, like other people, maybe not me, but I know people that can learn this job. So it just made me respect tech a little bit more in that moment. But then... I told him about like I have a sales background. He's like, oh, people have they do sales in tech too. So there was that moment where like what Timmy was trying to put me on early yep. hit me, and I was like, damn. So he like, and then I went back to Timmy, and then we eventually like I took it serious, and I was like, all right, like what do I gotta do? And Timmy was really cool enough to give me a reference to um, to a company called Memory Blue, which is a like an entry level job for people that are fresh out of college to get into tech to get those sales mm-hmm. roles, but. I didn't have a college degree. I dropped out of De Anza because of like, you know, the entrepreneurship is what I what I pursued. And, and I, I legitimately chose to pursue entrepreneurship consciously. I didn't do it like, oh, you know, fuck it, I didn't want to do it. Like I did it because that's what I chose. Yeah. And um, I'm explaining all this because it's going to lead to the answer. Because um, so I was at Memory Blue. Um, thanks to Timmy, he gave me a reference. So they actually gave me the interview and it's like three rounds of interviews. So I got to interview like the, ma- the the co-manager, the manager, and then the director. And uh, long story short, like I got the job. Timmy was a really solid reference and I didn't have a college degree and I was like the only one that got in. And I was working with William Osai, shout out my boy Will Osai. Shout out Will. Shout out to my boy Lennon Miller and shout out to Isaiah Walters, my homies over there, Austin. Uh, those are my good friends. Whole that made. gang, yeah. shout out. Um, good friends that I met in the tech space. But that was like my taste of doing sales and tech and then I was like all right I started making it sucks because like I was making like like believe it or not at the kiosk as a manager I was making 90,000 like as a manager but I was also working like 50 60 hours a week like I was working crazy hours and I was sacrificing holidays I miss Christmas you know I miss Thanksgiving I did that for like years you know what I mean and then when I transitioned into tech I went from getting paid 90k to getting paid 45k it was a big pay cut mm-hmm. and then timmy was like you got to just go through it because like 
you got to look at it in the long run. Like once you get the credibility, you when you get hired in your next job, you're going to be able to negotiate your salary. So I was just like, all right. Leverage game. But he was like putting me on. I didn't like it was he was basically teaching me how to see what I couldn't. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a visual. I'm a visionary. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like I all the ideas I have. I stick to them and I pursue to them. Mm-hmm. But whenever there's someone trying to convince me on something I can't see, it's, it's really hard to convince hard. me. But I respected Timmy, so I was like, all right, I took it. Um, and I thank him for it because I was in that company for about 11 months, um, and I ended up getting fired because I didn't hit sales goal. And believe it or not, I didn't hit sales goal. But, you know, it's crazy, though, the way that system was brought up and I learned, like, I was doing really good because a lot of people were – the turnover rate at the tech sales is, like, really high. So people were getting let go. Um, but um, I was able to stay there for about 11 months. And then that's when I moved into the office. Uh, literally, like right before I got fired, I moved into the office. So literally, I got a new bill to pay the office right when I got fired. So I was like, fuck. Like, it was just such a weird introduction to like that's that chapter of my life. Because yeah. then a month later, the pandemic happens. Oh <laughs> so I, I, you know, I got the job, you know what I'm saying? I got, oh, I, I got wow. the credibility and then I didn't complete it, but I, I basically yeah. almost did. And then I got let go. I moved into the office. So I'm tripping about the office, not even thinking about the pandemic. And then I had a, a vacation to Puerto Rico um, right before, like literally like March, because it's like between February and March. So when we're in Puerto Rico, um, Cause that's like, I didn't have a job. My family was going on a trip. I said, I need to get away. And then when we come back, like when we're on the plane, like we hear the news, like, Oh, COVID, wow. all this stuff's happening. Uh, and then coming back home, it was just like, then pandemic happened. And then that's when everything was so weird. Like I was only in downtown for like a month. You know what I'm saying? Like I worked by San Pedro, but like working in sofa area, like I was only in it for a month. So I didn't know anyone. I wasn't familiar with all that's around here. Um, and by the way, for the ones that don't know, there's a lot of art and yeah. activity and a lot of amazing things happening in Sofa. Um, this is where this is where, this is where it we feel it. This, <laughs> yeah. this is where it all yeah. is. Like Facts. the Sofa District is the premier spot yep. in San Jose, if you ask me. Yep. And there's there's more to come. I feel. Um, but so yeah, then then I was just podcasting. You know, I was just like, I'm gonna continue doing what I'm doing. Because uh, I was splitting it with some other gentlemen. My shout-out to Luis and Mauricio. Uh, I was um, splitting it with them, but they lived in Hollister. And they had different careers. One was in real estate. One was doing, like, web but development. But even, even then, Hollister, that's a, that's a, drive, a, long commute. That's a yeah. drive and a half. So they were kind of like, I don't think it makes sense for us to come anymore. Because yeah. keep in mind, everyone was, like, locked in and stuff. So I had to take over the whole office. And I was just like, damn, how am I going to do this? But we just kept going. Um, I got to give a shout out to Local Color because they did work with a lot of the artists yes, they and they did. did work with a lot of the businesses that couldn't afford it, that lost their jobs. And they really saved a lot of people's like art career and, and people's, uh, you know, vision to whatever yeah. they're doing. Like, I got to give a huge shout out to them because if it wasn't for them, shit, a lot of the stuff we've created probably wouldn't even happen. No, and that's coming from my end, too. They yep. they opened a space that we were able to utilize. Like yeah. the whole late night show was yep. shot there. Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. a thing. Speaking of shows. Yep. You turn that just podcasting you're doing yeah. in and just say, look it, we're going all in. Yeah. Culture Night Market yeah. and Any Given Bars, mm-hmm. I mean, two of the most successful things yeah. that Emlyn has debuted. Mm-hmm. And it's just the beginning for you. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about those origins. Salute to Jay Wells. Yeah. Salute to Monk. 
which one comes first? How do they yeah. all develop? Because when I tell you, and if you've never been to a culture night market, what are you doing? First of all, mm-hmm. go. Yeah. And if you've never seen an episode of Any Given Bars, right after you watch this, get on yeah. the tube. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So explain that. It's Because it, it is dope. Yeah. It is really dope. Pandemic babies, man. Like, all <laughs> pandemic babies, like, really – um everything really started from the pandemic backs against the wall you don't have a job you have a rent to pay you know i i had a really complicated living situation me and my girlfriend were bouncing between san jose and gilroy Mm. so it was just like you know not having uncertainty of like how our money's coming in um i was and keep in mind i had the tech background so i was still trying to get a job so i literally did a hundred interviews bro like i kid you not i did a hundred interviews while all this is happening Eventually, I actually landed a job. I actually landed a job, a company called Ping Pong. So that was what, and it took a year during the pandemic. Like it wasn't like right in the beginning. It was like a year later. Then I got the job. So between that year. planted, yeah. Yeah, so between that year though, that's when Any Given Bar started. That's when Culture Night Market started and just continuing the podcast. So I'll start with, um, I will start with a Culture Night Market. So Culture Night Market, like like I said, I was still doing podcasts, so I was just in downtown a lot. Mm. The only people at downstairs was me and Patron and maybe <laughs> Henry. Like there wasn't a lot of people down downstairs during the shutdowns and everything. Obviously, because people weren't allowed, but there were still people making stuff happen. And I was, you know, in that studio by myself or doing content. And then um, Patron. He's a part of SJ Storyboard. They do like the live art installations. Yeah. He introduced me to Andy, and then Andy introduced me to Sunny. And Sunny's the property owner for the Nile Lot, which is on Second and San Carlos. Okay. And she's one of the only minorities that own real estate in this area, because all this area is owned by like a, a corporation. Like you know, that's forty percent of downtown San Jose. So Ooh. like the fact that a minority owned that property, that's... I was kind of like, all right, the problems that the the minority owned. Uh, parking lot probably won't have the same problems as the person that, own, that that's owned by a corporation yep. so she was struggling on how to maintain tenants how to pay the bills and i fell for her so i was just like how can we um how can we help each other out yeah. so i identified the problem i knew that there was also entrepreneurs being born people were starting to sell mama's plates they're starting to sell <laughs> you know bracelets they're starting to sell clothes yeah. and fashion i'm just like inspired i'm like because you've seen it like i was doing that already so i was just like inspired seeing people do it so i felt like there was a challenge with that they were facing, which is they didn't have a marketplace. They in didn't have mind, a way. In your mind, God, who, why sell clothes yeah. anymore? Yeah. When I could sell soap, yep. and I could sell candles, yep. I could sell food. Yeah, exactly. I love, I love that because that's such a natural progression. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, the first one was Eastridge. No. So the first one was at the Nile parking lot, which okay, is the okay. one I'm talking about. We did. So we did a whole year there. Um, we did them guerrilla style, meaning no permits. We didn't oh, do anything. Okay. We obviously did it within the most eth- ethical practice possible, meaning like we weren't legally allowed to do that. But, but you were still in talks with the people yeah. around you. Yeah, I, own, I knew the property owner. I still got insurance. I still like did it, whatever I could to make it as legit as possible. Um, and uh, so we did seven events there. The first event was actually October 18, 2020. Um, and that event brought 200 people. And then the following one brought 300 and then just kept going up. And then I think eventually we like 500 was like the most we had. We did seven events the first year at the Nile lot. Um, and then then we got hit 
like from uh, OCA, from down, uh, downtown San Jose, were telling us like, hey, you can't do this. There's a sort of procedure, you know, because they saw all the brands on there yeah. and they knew local color. Then they reached out to local color, local color reached out to me. And then I was like, damn, you know, I knew this was gonna happen one day because eventually, yeah. um, you know, it was gonna raise awareness and me not understanding the landscape of this area. I was just like, I'm just trying to serve my community. You know, but like, it's a, you know, it's an outlaw promotion at the, yeah. at the, at the start of it. Yeah. But it's, for the right reasons exactly and that's how i looked at it you weren't trying to go in there and like let's make a couple quick bucks and get out of here nah you know what's crazy bro (laughs) is like it's hard to have this conversation and and still deliver what was really happening because we're some people still say we're out of the pandemic but it's like is anything really the same like from them right good point and i think um like i felt the fact that the city and people were kind of like mad that we were doing that upset me and it was kind of like i took it personal just because i'm just like why like at the end of the day like people legitimately don't know how they're gonna make money to survive Mm -hmm. and you guys are tripping that i'm doing an event like i didn't look at it in the same perspective as them and Mm -hmm. i think obviously you know growing up and just kind of like not being aware of the landscape i just was just um just passionate about it you know what i'm saying so eventually you know i knew that it was gonna make more sense to like do it the right way so we can be sustainable. But I did take a break for six months though. Like we stopped it and when we got that notification, we stopped um, because I was, at the end of the day, I'm the one that's gonna get fined. Like I'm yeah. the one that's gonna pay the the bill of what happens. And I couldn't afford a thousand dollar fine. Like yeah. I wasn't gonna pay that. Like it was already like- If you take that fine, then you take an even bigger setback yeah. than if and, you were to keep going. And mm-hmm. everything that was funded towards the culture and art market was like EDD money and like little flips. Like it was literally like, hey, whatever we could scavenge, like let's do that, put it towards the event. Make it back by doing cost recovery, asking for $5 donations, uh, vendor spots at a very affordable rate. Um, Cause at the end of the day, I was just trying to make sure they made some money, um, but it worked out. Like we were able to keep rinse and repeat, do it over and over again. And then once the city got involved, I started asking questions. Nice. And I think this is what was the determining factor to why culture night market is what it is because i was like i felt like this is the vibe i'm getting and this is no knock to anyone but i'm saying like i felt when they were throwing these like information at me like oh these guidelines though this it didn't feel like hey fill out this application you know whenever you're ready fill this out it will help you get onboarded Mm -hmm. it was like nah here's this obstacle here's that obstacle here's that obstacle figure it out that was the vibe i got when we first started culture night market you could get through here then sure yeah you know, and, and it, it was exactly like exactly so that's what it felt like so with that being said um obviously i stopped for six months and i started seeing other pop-ups doing it and they weren't getting regulated like they were just they were still doing their thing so it got kind of like messy because i was just like like why why are we getting treated different mm-hmm. and on top of that like everyone's doing it in a in a certain way that i didn't agree with you know you're doing that event at a park you're not paying for the park you're charging people to be at a park like that isn't that's not ethical in my opinion but my opinion um but yeah so like they're doing it in backyards and stuff yeah like that, you know? and, and as a human i naturally built like animosity towards yeah. that because i'm just like yeah, what's going on? But then, then I decided I was like, all right, you know what? Let's let's ask the questions. Let's ask what's the permit guideline? Like, what's the requirements to set up here? What's the private property permit? Like, what? I asked all the questions, and I think the fact that I came with that mentality it shook them. They were like, oh shit! Like, and I kept calling, like, sending emails, following them. I'm like, how do I do this? How do I do that? And then eventually they kind of like had to embrace me because I'm like, I'm going to do this for real. I'm going to actually put my money up for it. And then when I learned- The same mentality that helped you start a business too. Exactly. Asking the questions and Mm -hmm. getting the answers. Exactly. And then 
um, when I found out how much it costs to do it, I was shook. I was kind of like, <laughs> damn, how am I going to do this? You know, like, this is crazy. Like, it's, doesn't even, it's not sustainable. Like, I just started, like, telling myself, like, why are we doing this suicide? Like, why are we doing this? But, uh, and I'm only not, I'm only saying this because it's the truth. Like, this shit is crazy. Santa Clara no, County is no, one of the strictest real counties. When you've realized the bill of some of these things, like, yeah. we, were, we were just talking off the air about, like, investing in mics and stuff like yeah. that like when it, you look at what it really costs oh. to start a thing yeah especially to the level of now you have to get the city involved yeah yeah it's it costs more than mm. what people say on the internet like just start a business like yeah, yeah you kind of have to think about these things everybody. and it was uh <laughs> you know so we knew what the number was and i think it was at a point now where it was like all right i have to make a decision this is the amount of money it's going to cost like i can afford to to pay it but I don't have any other way to recoup. Like at this point, we got to think strategically. So we increased the, the cost of the vendor spot, still affordable for the vendors. We required a, a, a donation payment at the front door and we had enough buzz to where we were able to do the math and like what we fundraised, what we recovered through cost recovery and then in, incorporating other like donation methods. Like we were able, when we actually did it the first time legally, we fell short by like 500 bucks. Wow. But the and and uh, just to give you context, like it would probably be like somewhere between four to five grand to do everything with the permits and everything. Ooh. So the fact that we got close to it was super like motivating for me because I was like, dog, when we first saw this number, we were so intimidated. Look, we're only 500 bucks away from that. Let's run it back mm -hmm. again. And then we did it again. And the next thing you know, I'm like getting familiar with this territory now. Like, all right, like we can afford to pay this back. Let's do it again. We never really profited, right? Like not until year three. Like we didn't profit until year three. Like we still made revenue, but pay enough cost and then maybe lose some. But we were able to get, you know, make it back by other means like selling merch or um, having uh, grants that we yeah. applied for and stuff like that. Um, and then... And then it goes into this other chapter, but yeah, just and, to answer your and question. And I mean, we're and we're talking East Ridge Mall, which yeah, seems, and that hasn't even happened yet. That's a crazy. Yeah, part. that hasn't yeah. even happened in the story. Yeah. But to give people context of how far it came from yeah. that story is, yeah. we're talking East Ridge Mall, literally in right in front of people, right across from the Chili's. So yeah. it's like everybody can just pull up right yeah. to it, have themselves a good time. Uh, Oak Ridge, yeah, that one was really dope. Yeah. That one was to have that yeah. one on the south. It was yeah. really amazing. It had to happen on the had south. Had to happen. It had to happen. Then we're talking PayPal Park, yep. which I was saying to you yep. to. I was having a drink at a game yep. and to see the advertisement for yep. it pop up. I was like, "That's beautiful." Yeah. To Vibes. come where we come from and mm -hmm. to see that. Mm -hmm. Did you have the vision when you started it that it can go to those places, or mm -hmm. did you always just see that this can stay in like one parking lot yeah. essentially? Um, so since I knew it was producing cash flow, I knew that we can keep doing it and like still, still keep going, um, the first year. But once we got to a point where like we completed the first year and we wanted to start like getting more organized, we wanted to plan the year. So we actually made the decision to plan dates a year in advance. And then that's when I feel like things shifted. And I, I was like, all right, this demand has gotten real serious. Yeah. Like we really need to take this into consideration of like creating a foundation or creating a business or something and then um excuse me um and then we decided to make it into a business um and i think that was the, the smartest decision we could have ever made because now it allowed us to um you know 
to get a fiscal sponsor with low color low color helps us um, apply for grants and we've been awarded grants for all the activations we've done nice. and that's open doors for us to invest into uh you know equipment into a staff into um permits um rentals like it's really expensive to do these consistently so the fact that I was put on game on that avenue because of my community. It opened more doors for me and what we were trying to do with Coach and I marketing our team. So I think, um, um, sorry, I lost track of the question. I'm just trying to follow the timeline. Make no, sure. you're good. First of all, salute to the team that he does yeah. have at Culture Night Market. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a lot of people that you know, a mm -hmm. lot of new people. It's yeah. such a great thing. But you were saying kind of how it's grown into such a business that mm -hmm because of your partners and because mm. of yourself and your hard work and almost not taking no for an answer yeah yeah you were able to put it in places that you almost didn't see possible yes so now to piggyback off that any given bars yeah because that i mean every rapper who is a rapper in the city of san jose and bay area mm. wants to either be on the show yeah has been on the show. Yeah. I know as a fan of rap and as a person who's tried to really always make sure it is at the forefront mm -hmm. of this city, mm -hmm. I am a firm believer in any given bars and a fan of it. Now let's get into that because God, I, I'm gonna keep putting yeah. that flag up <laughs> yeah. any AGB. given bar. Um okay, sorry, I, I remember now what I was gonna say. No, go let ahead. me let me finish what I was saying with the CNM because I feel like it's relevant to the story because I want to go in the timeline of the pandemic. Yeah, I know how to stall so, <laughs> so um, when we got that, like uh, when we transitioned into the foundation and we got put on game through low color about grants and how to actually sustain it, then that's when like our brand recognition started to uh, come into play. And also me doing cold outreach. So I started taking the skills I learned in the tech and put it in the coach night market. So I started doing cold calls. And the only reason I had to do that is because San Jose has this ridiculous law where you can't do an event at a private property more than five times within a span of like four to five months. And that forced us to become a hybrid model business. What? So basically we were doing the culture night market at the night a lot, right? We did it five times, and then OCA hit me up. We're like, hey, you got to find – you can't do the event no more. And keep in mind, they weren't saying you got to take it somewhere else. They were like, you can't do the event no more. It goes back to what I was saying. Like, I felt like the obstacles were kept. Yeah. So they were telling me, you can't do the event no more. I'm like, why not? And they said, because we have this policy. It's a zoning law where, like, you have an event here for X amount of times. You can't do it there. And I, so I just kind of took that, like, so what am I supposed to do? What are these vendors supposed to do, like, that are reliant on this income? Like, you want me to tell them you can't come make money no more because of this? So, because I, I always kept doing that to them because I, I wanted to apply pressure to them because I wanted them to understand how hard it was for me as a new business owner trying to bring a business into San Jose, why why you're making it harder. Like, they're making it harder during a time that we've never experienced. Yeah. So, it was, so that's, you, you know where I'm coming from, yeah. why I started taking things personal. I was like, yeah. what's going on? So long story short, I don't take no for an answer. I started doing cold calls, started reaching out to other venues, and that's when I called PayPal. Because I actually called them because I was like, I know I can't afford the, the stadium. I know goddamn well Google pays like <laughs> racks for this shit. But I'm going to call anyways because I'm just going to see like I want them to tell me no. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I called this number I found on Google and I got in contact with some marketing person. I told them what I do, what we did, what we've already done and what we're trying to do. And 
um, she basically kind of deterred me professionally. She's saying like, oh, you know, I don't think this is a word, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, just out of curiosity, like how much would it cost? And she told me like 10 grand as I anticipated, right? Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, okay, well, I do appreciate you taking the time, you know, to learn about what we're doing. But she, um, but based on that call, she was like, based on your, um, your mission statement and like what you guys are doing for the community, I think there could be some area of opportunity um, to connect you with someone on our team because they're working on this proud uh, support our city campaign because yep. PayPal had just uh, took over the Avaya Stadium and now it's PayPal Park. Yep. So they're going through this transition. So they just rolled out this new campaign uh, called Support Our City Campaign where they pay homage to all these small businesses. And for those who don't know, uh, that has been a big component in bigging up a lot of the photographers mm -hmm. in the Santa Yep. A lot of artists who mm -hmm. were just doing random graffiti work have yep. gotten opportunities to work. Mm -hmm. Salute to even uh, yep. clothing lines like yep. Jubo. Like yep. A lot of people have gotten this opportunity. So salute to the Earthquakes yeah. and PayPal for even making this a thing. Yeah, no, they definitely bridged the gap, I feel like, the last couple of years with a lot of different influences, communities, organizations in San Jose. So definitely a, a lot of respect to the Earthquakes and PayPal. Um, so, yeah, I called them. He put me in connection with this guy named Rahul, who is no longer with the organization. But at that time, he played a role on, like, the marketing team. Mm -hmm. So I met with him, and I came with my, my folder. I came like, all right, let me try to sell this guy on the whole thing. Sat down with him. Long story short, I came a little too overprepared. He was just kind of mm -hmm. chill. He was just like, hey, man, like, you don't need to do all this. Like, let me hear you out. You know what I'm saying? Just be human with me. I was like, all right, bet. So started talking about everything and long story short he was like oh, i really think this is dope I, I really like what you guys do he was sold on us as like people because yeah. like what we do and how passionate we are and then long story short that was a year before we actually did the event so look it took a whole year for that pipeline to build up to that yeah. point where we did the event yeah so i'm just saying like for all the events that people see like they see the event they see that it happened but they don't realize how long it took for it to happen. Yeah. So um, after like six meetings with the earthquakes, I did this like panel where I'm on a TV and then they're like all the executives on the table and I'm basically selling them the mm -hmm. event. Long story short, um, then it came to them actually agreeing to it and I was like, oh, okay, bet, like this is exciting. Um, but then I talked to Timmy about it and he was giving me a lot of the business advice and he's all about like negotiations and stuff. Oh, yeah. So he was putting me on game on like how to upsell and like how to bring value. So originally I didn't even know how much our event was worth. So I initially was like, you know, whatever we could get, you know what I mean? But I think, long story short, we were able to, to get a $40,000 um, sponsorship yeah. for them to activate four event series for the 2021 season. Oh, nice. So that covered everything. That covered entertainment, that covered operations, that covered staff. So then it felt really good. This was like the really first feeling where I'm like actually paying people for what they're worth and it feels good because like when you're doing everything kind of like out of your pocket and you're just kind of nibbling whatever you can you're not able to provide that to people and you want to but yeah. you can't so when it got to that point it was like a huge milestone bro it, it 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 just shifted the mentality when we did that i was like dude if we can do this with them who else would be gravitating to it and so then that's when i called Eastridge and then oakridge and then and this goes on to let everybody know how serious he was about like no these ones at paypal he was putting people on content magazine profiled artist forever records was out there performing and we're talking it was beautiful yeah. like you had an amazing crowd who came there 
in a, such a positive fashion. Yep. Like they didn't come like usually, especially nowadays, people yep. go to shows and it's like the party first and kind of people are performing around yeah. the party. Yep. You made it to where it was like whether you went there to go support a brand, support yourself, mm. support the business itself. Go to the bar and get a drink. Go to the bar and get a drink. <laughs> yeah. Or even go to yeah. support an artist. Yeah. Everybody was gathered yeah. around. Yeah, and they was in. It, it was such a great environment mm. that you and that whole team curated. Yeah. You curated. How do you choose a vendor? Yeah. Like, how does how does that enter your mind? Because, I mean, every single business I went to, I was like, I, I'm going to go broke. I'm going to yeah. <laughs> There's something <laughs> I want to buy. Yeah, a little something for everyone. So I think that was, um, so when I was vending, um, like, you know, selling urban streetwear, I didn't have a lot of options like to go to myself in San Jose. Mm -hmm. Like there was times before where I legitimately applied to be a vendor and they denied me because I wasn't a fit, quote unquote. So I started going to like Oakland and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of stuck with me. So when I did the events and I had the opportunity to deny and approve mm -hmm. anyone, I just opened the door for whoever. Obviously, when I have them apply, I asked them if they had a sole proprietor, if they had a permit. But if they didn't, I didn't push them away. I just gave them a... Um, an option that we can follow up with them to help them get that figured out. Even because because it, it's one thing to just um, give someone, uh, like tell someone no and not give them an alternative. I hate when people are like, oh, that's not going to work. All right, well, give me a solution. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? So that's kind of what my mentality was like, here, this won't work, but let me give you the solution. Yeah. So, yeah, so to answer your question, though, it's uh, open application. Anyone can apply. Um, if it's a non-food vendor, it's really easy to get onboarded. If you're a food vendor, you are required to have like permits, but we can apply for a one-day permit, which yeah. is a lot manageable. Um, but the county is very strict. So now that we work with like these organizations like OCA and the city of San Jose and the county. And quick plug, where can they apply for any of this? Yeah, so if they go on culturenightmarket.com, you go on our Instagram, you go on Twitter, MK. T. I've been trying to figure out the Twitter uh, headline and the <laughs> Abby, whatever. Um, so yeah, they can apply. They can apply on there. Okay. And now let's get into any given bar. Yes. Because, now it's time no, for the any given bar because <laughs> the fact that all this comes from a pandemic. Oh yeah, it's crazy. It's just insane because e even hearing that story, I know someone's thinking, "How did that one thing start?" No, he started two things. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen. So. Now get into this. So, this uh, any given bar is November twenty twenty. So it's literally the month after. Yep. Uh, October, November. Yes, the month after. So Jay Wells uh, and I had did a podcast when I was working at Memory Blue like a, a year before. So Sweet I had just Jay met Jay Wells for the first time, and we were really cool with each other. We got uh, familiar. I, I gave a lot of love to him. He gave a lot of love to me. And then he followed up with me out of respect. Well, like he sees what I'm doing. He told me, he's like, hey, I got this idea. I really want to like make it come to life. I feel like with someone like you, I can make it happen. So he came to the office. He told me about the concept of like a freestyle show. Um, and that's what it was. We didn't even have any given bars or anything like that. It wasn't until like I told him, all right, let me see if we can uh, set something up. I talked to a color if we can film the first taping at the office. And they agreed. Shout out to them again. And then uh, <laughs> so then we did the very first uh, taping of any given bar bars in november and we had uh city sean as the first artist we had deadstock we have uh swift jiggy we had uh katie the po katie the katie the goer um uh young wapo and stretch and moses and um jarvis goes by king i believe hmm. and then um 
I feel like that's everyone. I might be forgetting some of it. Forgot, I'm sorry. Um, season one, we filmed it all there one time. And, and, and it was like our first time doing it. So I didn't even know if we were doing it correctly, you know. So <laughs> we did it. And uh, thankfully, we had the focus right. So we were able to record everything and sync it all together. It wasn't until we did it in a live format I realized that we have to do it completely different. Like I fucked up the whole season, basically. Yeah. Season two, we fucked it all up. But season one, it all happened November 2020. And Jay Wells uh, so also told me about Monk. And that's my first time getting connected with Monk. And I already knew who Monk was, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah. we just didn't have mutuals until that moment. And then uh, it just worked out per perfectly because I see Jay Wells and, and Young Monk as like uh, t media personalities. Yeah. Like these are stars, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm like, they just need the foundation around them to really get the audience. And the thing that we were really emphasizing is that we wanted to make a hip hop show, but if you pay attention to a lot of the hip hop shows, they don't, a lot of them don't have like their own face. They yeah. don't have their own media personality. Yeah. Like they just have someone with a mic or a hanging or whatever. Mm -hmm. I know that's everyone's favorite, right? The, the hanging the mic. Hanging the hanging mic. <laughs> when did that become a thing? <laughs> it's for sure your thing now. Um, but no, and no knock on it. It's, no, it's cool. and, and by the way, I, I would like to selfishly <laughs> take credit for rapping on the MLM podcast. Yeah, uh, the first one was Flammy Marciano on yep, the podcast yep, rapping yep. over Uchiwali. That's true. But I just had to plug that in there. <laughs> but nah, you guys had the live format. And like you yeah. said, you did something that wasn't really happening. Other yeah. than maybe Funk Flex, mm -hmm. there's not really a face to yeah. these freestyles. Mm -hmm. And for people who don't know any given bars, these rappers they get interviewed mm -hmm. they have a freestyle segment and it's the best showcase right now for artists in our area mm -hmm. and you are for people who don't know anything about bq hip-hop fanatic like had every cd growing up oh, basically like, all those papers like everything is hip-hop to his core on top of all the other music he likes mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you honestly we're aware of, you know, this type of hip-hop platform. Yep. But what made you say, hey, let's put these two as the face because they are great and they make the artist feel so comfortable? Like, what what made you say, let me take a step yeah. back and I become more of the behind-the-scenes role? It, it goes back to Emlyn. Like, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to be in the hip-hop industry. I knew I wanted it, but I didn't want to be a rapper. Like, <laughs> that was really it. I didn't want to be a rapper. Like, everyone was trying to be a rapper. Like, I'm good. Like, I know how I know how it goes, you know, if, if, especially if you're not good, you know. But um, it was really that. You know, I knew that um, Jay Wells and Monk were, like I said, they were amazing personalities. I knew they could do it. They have a huge influence. And then the structure, I feel like, after doing Culture Dime Market, I'm dealing with structures, so I'm just yeah. like, let me help, uh, you know, put the pieces that we need, like the videographer, the audio engineer, yeah. the sponsors, whatever. Um, and you know, we did our first taping, and then we decided to do it again. We we're like deciding that, all right, we're we're doing, and we were doing batch content. That's what they call it now. We were doing batch, batch content, content before it was called batch content, because we were because Jay Wells was like uh, really limited with his schedule, so. We were like, all right, let's just knock the whole season out in one day. So we basically brought all the artists in one session. Interesting. And what made it really dope is that you create this competitive atmosphere naturally. And now it's like people are kind of like, um, it's like, it's like, it's it's hard to explain. It's like a showcase almost. Like you're you're competing with someone. I'm trying to give like an me, analogy. Me and like, me and Gift, we and Alden, we yeah. all we all equip a kind of. 
described it as like AAU, mm. like AAU basketball. Yeah. For those who don't know, it's yeah. like every summer the people who really yeah. care about basketball yeah, all come in the same place. All come into the same place yes. and either they're on a team or you're facing And someone's a, watching. Everyone's watching. Someone's watching. Yeah. And it, that's what it felt it, like. like. That's exactly what it like, felt like, yeah. When you go there, at least when Gift went, there were like Iced Out Flames was there yeah. and Randy was there. Like yeah. everybody yeah. was there and it was like, is this like a rap camp? Yeah, like, exactly. Like it felt like just that, like. That was the coolest part though for me. Like I really enjoyed seeing people take this shit for real because I my biggest critique with San Jose hip hop was like, Everyone is complacent. Like everyone's yes. like yes. they're cool with where they're they're cool being the hood star. Like my thing is like, why aren't we going beyond that? Like, like us like us coming from a football background, yeah. In high school, there were those preseason like yeah. camps where it'd be yeah. Oak Grove. Oh the Jamborees. Like, yeah, the Jamborees. The Jamborees yes. going crazy. And <laughs> that's what it felt yeah. like because like you said, there's a sense of complacency yeah. in rap where not only am I cool being the hood star. I'm cool with just the club giving me 15 minutes and like $300. Yeah. That that's what we were almost becoming conditioned to like. Yeah. It was and, a lot of that. And you were saying, "Hey, I'm not paying you guys anything, mm-hmm. but if you come here, it's a place that's actually celebrating you instead mm-hmm. of tolerating you." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did did you know it was going to like people have collaborated? Because they met each other. Oh yeah, I noticed. The, like, I love the fact that we've like, and it's just yeah, whole, that's what it's I'm like the ask. it's the whole ecosystem, mm-hmm. like Emlyn Culture Night Market and any given bar. Do you feel like you're providing that? Yeah, in a sense, for, for sure. Jose. I feel like we're bridging a lot of people together, and at the end of the day, whether they work with me or not, like it's cool. Work with me, awesome. If not, I hope I still wish people the best. I want them to succeed, and I feel like a lot of the success I have gotten has been through collaboration, just mm-hmm. meeting different people that have the same level of frequency I have. You know, I'm on I'm thinking about doing this shit. They want to do the same thing. Let's do it. So the fact that we do that through culture night market, any given bar is just really dope. Um and I've seen a lot of it from, you know, people uh working with the San Jose Earthquakes, yeah. you know, from people doing um you know, features with each other, people doing producing, people are engine mixing other people's stuff. Like it's really cool. Um to answer your question, it's really dope. Okay. And one of my final questions before we get out of here is there is a certain value that you've provided not only amongst yourself, but the Emelyn brand. Mm. Honestly, I see the stars for you. Like Mm. I see, you know, those four letters are going to be on the side of a building one day. Mm. Do you? Hope so, shit. Oh man, it's, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Hell, he's right. damn near taking all the downstairs. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I need, I need a building. But, but I will, I will say this: Do you have? And it doesn't have to be in the long term, but as far as right now, like, do you see the short term? What do you see for Emlyn, at least in that sense? Because I could see, I could see grandiose things for you from a mile away, but that starts somewhere, and yeah you've already had a great starting point. Yeah. Where does the ball keep rolling for you? Um, I think it's, you know, I have a timeline. You know, I always told myself this is a 10-year goal. So, mm-hmm. like, I started in 2015. I got two more years. Mm-hmm. So my mentality is, like, you know, I want to insert myself in the industry, leave my mark um, as an event producer, as a media producer, um, as an individual that just bridges gaps and try to bring value to other people. But I definitely 
see us doing more uh, doing more events like you know more night markets uh we just started feast mode which is a new food event which is like a similar concept but it's all food vendors i thought um, it, it looks great delicious it looks great. <laughs> um, and then also we have uh I'm, I'm i'm trying to insert myself into the concert scene next year like i really want to host concerts um and maybe give a san jose a hip-hop concert that's something i really want to that's one of my goals um and as far as emlyn goes like i really want to do more um I want to create the structure that I've been trying to pursue my entire time. Like, how am I going to make this sustainable? Like, I think when it comes to the media side, and this is me speaking as a person that's still new to it, like, I'm still trying to figure out how people make money off of media. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because I know there's sponsors. I know there's people that pay for production work. Oh, no, you, you and me, we could talk about that for hours. Yeah, like, I, I think... I, that's been my life, like, is making trying to make money off of media and looking at every the possible value of it mm -hmm. so i know where you're coming from it's, and, it's the mystery of all mysteries <laughs> and and you know i've had some uh really really interesting projects i've been a part of through emlyn that um made me see the potential that i can go yeah. um it didn't work out the way i wanted it to and i don't even know if i should talk about it because it's not gonna be released i literally created a we created a whole show that's not getting released no more <laughs> um but we but we had a sponsor and they paid for the production like they paid for everything that was my first time it was like a milestone moment like for coach and i market we when we did first 500 people like that felt like dude we did it right yeah. that's what it felt like with that media project even though it didn't work out it gave me that feeling like, oh shit, like that's what we're supposed to be doing. Like that's the direction we're supposed to be going. Um, but to answer your point, like I want to produce more like film. Like I want to do like, I don't know, I have this itch in me. Like I want to do acting. Like I want to do crazy shit in media. Like I want to go all in. But um, I think it's just, it's just, I don't know, man. To answer your question, like. It's it's really I want to insert myself in the industry through uh, through Emlyn. Uh, I want to continue to grow any given bars because yeah. I feel like that brand alone has its own potential. It's got legs um, now. Yeah, it's got sure. legs and it's jogging right now. Yeah, it's jogging. Sure. Up, it's jogging up Communication Hills right now. <laughs> like that motherfucker running. Um, but yeah, so I, I I just I see a lot of good things, but I'd be lying to you if I said I know exactly where we're going um, because I, I see that we've created dope things, but they took different turns, you know. Um, but two more years, though, so I got to make it happen. Okay. Yep. And a little rapid-fire segment. I got three questions yeah. yep. given to me. Sure. What is your go-to meal? What is the go-to meal for Brandon? Oh, man. Lately? Shit. Your boy's been eating lately, so I could definitely give you some options here. Oh, he um, his food. He, he just told you it's thief mode. I mean, he bro, for the, longest, you, so. for the longest, I was the La Costa advocate forever. Because it's real south. So. I was the La Costa advocate forever, you know. But uh, I did get put on Metro Balderas, bro, and I don't know if I could ever go back. It's crazy because it's tell, fire. Tell, tell, the, tell the people where that's at, you know. It's saying? on Willow. It's no, on Willow. No gatekeeping. They got a couple spots on Willow. They got a, they got a food truck, and they have another one in Almaden. Um, gas. Them burritos, it's, it's the beans. They okay. they refry the beans, so it's gas. Okay. It makes a difference. Okay. <laughs> when you are in your most focus, when you are in straight tunnel vision, yeah. what music are you listening to? Nipsey, um, Rex Live Raj, La Russell, um, Nas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll just say those for now. And when you get a break to yourself, when you get a moment of clarity, what are you doing? 
smoking that loud. <laughs> Probably, um, you know, just just I like to be uh, just with my family and just, you know, I, I got my dog, so he's like my little my little son, just kicking it with my family, my dog. Um, he's a dog parent. Just I like to just be at peace, you know, try to be away from shit sometimes. I, I mean, th- I feel like that's helped me a lot, though. You know, um, mental health is a real thing, you know what I'm saying? Like having uh, boundaries. Yeah. You know, I was really bad with that before. I know you know that. I, I, I think I, I think you and I worked a twenty four hour day before. No, we we worked <laughs> almost a full forty eight. I <laughs> we did not sleep, and yeah. and that was uh, unhealthy. But we did we did it though because we, we loved it, and I think it was okay for us to do it at a young age because we could do that, right? But now as we get older, I'm about to push thirty next year, yeah. so I'm like, you know, I, I try to have uh, boundaries and try to like um, just take some time when I can. I haven't took a vacation yet, but it's it's gonna come soon. And then finally, last but not least, I know the 16-year-old version of you. Mm. You know the 16-year-old version of me. Yeah. What would 28? 29. 29, okay. 29, yeah. See, yeah, yeah, I forgot. He had, he had that, he had <laughs> I was that, a year older. He had that year gap <laughs> on everybody. so much shit for that, bro. You know what I'm saying? I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, 29, what would you say to the 16-year-old version of yourself? Oh, man, you don't even know. Mm. I was just going to say, you don't even know. That's it. Because... Like, I was trying to go to the U, bro. Like I said, like, I wasn't even, I wasn't even thinking about any of this stuff. Like, That's why I said, I know the version. I know that man had the football dreams, and he was, yeah. if you would have asked him, he was going to go, like, he would be in the league now. Yeah. You would be there. And so to see, that's why I had to ask, what? What would he say to that person? So yeah, no, nah, I mean it's funny. Someone watching is probably like, "Bro, five seven. What are you doing to leave?" <laughs> well, I mean, hey, Darren Sproles five six. Man. He was faster than a lot of dudes. <laughs> I'll say that he was faster. But I think I think what it was though was the culture that we grew up at Oak Grove. Like everyone was proud to be a part of that football team. People were proud to be at a public school that competed against private schools. It was just like a very unique, um, like atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? San Jose is is one of those diverse cultures, but I feel like. Oak Grove and the Southside community, it had a very unique, like, upbringing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you know people from the East Side, they have their upbringing and they, they have their um, trials and tribulations. They dealt with the things that they loved, a part of that culture. But Southside had that culture, too, yes, in did. a different way. Um, and, like, mine was, like, going to the Pop Warner practices in the back. Like, yep. there was thousands of people there. Thousands. Now it's a ghost town, and it's sad. But, like, you know, this is just how life is. Things change. Like, it's and, around this time of year where – like shoot in a couple hours yeah we should be seeing kids yeah in the red ready. helmet yeah and, and if we went waiting. there right now sometimes they show up early waiting with their bag their yeah. big ass red bag on the floor and if we went there now like we would only see the Oak Grove football yeah. team yeah like the high school team and so i i 100 percent get what you're saying when i go back there i i like i see it still like i i kind of like I, I i visualize it i'm like damn i remember seeing the renegades, the the regulators, the riders, R- like right, yeah. all the kids, the cheerleaders, like it was just that's the community I grew up on, mm-hmm. and not a lot of people know about it. And I want to make sure that that story is still told in different formats, from music to events to bringing people together to content. And that's why I feel like it it it's it's just we can never forget who we are. You know what I'm saying? Where we come from. Well. That's exactly why you had to be my first yeah. episode, man, because that is a story I'm trying to tell as well because, yep. like you said, very few come from it, but the ones who do, we romanticize it because it, it built us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love what it's built in you, mm-hmm. and I can't wait to see hey, more. Likewise with you hey, too, man. Hip-hop, you know what oh, I'm shit. I can't wait to see more of the future for you, man, and thank you for coming here and telling yep. your story. And for those, you know, 
get your plug off, you know what yep. I'm saying? Because he's got a lot right here. So tell the people what you got and, you know what I'm saying? Culture Night Market, Any Given Bars. Tell them where to get it, where to find it, and everything else. All right. I'm going to give the plugins because the plugins are real easy. Oh, yeah, but before fun. I go into that, I, 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 I definitely want to take a moment to say that I'm proud of you, bro. Thank you. Because I definitely seen, I've always respected you. Like, I always recognize that you were, like, really passionate. And I don't know a lot of passionate people, like, <laughs> on my level of fucking passion. And I've always said that you were that person. Yeah, no, he has. No, straight up. And salute to and salute to the garage. The lab. The, the lab where we That's come history. from. Salute to the family that Shout let, out to the Williams family. God, Real shit. Shout out my boy Noski, my brother. Noski, God, that whole family, they let us be in there. And when I tell you, we were just trying everything yep. every sitting in that room at 11 p.m mm -hmm. till 4 a.m some mm -hmm. nights just being like well what if we did this show and what yep. if we did this and if we sold the clothes here and like we had a whole car mm -hmm. wash method and everything Bro, like in macro perspective <laughs> what i look at that is like that's community like yeah. that same those yeah. same parents that let us run that operation at their house like they also gave us rides to our games at yes, Pop Warner, and like yes. they used to host the barbecues or like you know what I'm saying pick us up to do fun stuff. Like it goes back to community at the end of the day. Yes. Like and I realized that um, that's what we had, and it was really special. We still have community, but it's just you know it's it's B different now. BQ. Yeah, BQ during football season literally used to let people come over to the house and watch games and play. Oh, Maddie. it used to go crazy. So he is he is the epitome of everything you're saying. So. Plug that community that you're talking about right in the camera. Uh, Culture Night Market. Uh, Culture Night Market, all one word on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Feast Mode, SJ, new event rolling out September 29th, the next event, October 13th and October 27th before the end of the year. Make sure you guys slide by. Feast Make mode. sure you come in hungry. Any given bars, all one word. You can follow uh, follow the page. Subscribe on the YouTube channel, Emlyn Exclusive. Uh, we're, dro we're dropping season 12 this Friday, tomorrow. Woo! Um, those are six new episodes coming out, and we're doing a production LA next weekend. Yeah. Man, you know who I am, Trizzy E, baby. He's BQ. This is the Content Magazine Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Content Magazine Podcast. Follow us on social media at Content Mag. Become a member and help us to continue to tell the stories of the South Bay creatives. This episode's music is 408 by Jack Pavlina. Follow him on Spotify and also on his Instagram at Jack Pavlina Music.